Hi everyone, welcome to the NBA Agents Podcast. Are you curious about NBA student life in the US? Do you worry about how to navigate your NBA life? If so, you're at the right place. NBA Agents is here to empower you to overcome different challenges by sharing tips and recommendations from many other Asian NBA students. We want you to be prepared for the crazy NBA world. Are you ready? Let's get it! Hey guys, welcome back to NBA Agents. I'm Jacob. I'm Jake. So today, the American culture we wanted to talk about, it's about a sense of belongings to the school, which I feel like Americans, they have very strong sense of belonging or a sense of identity to their school. And as you know, like me and Jay, we just started the, our school life in America. So we are invite one of our classmates from Michigan Ross and to share her experience with us. So let's welcome Kelsey Casey. Hi, I'm so Hi, excited Kelsey. to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. So um, one thing that I found very interesting is that when I first arrived Michigan, um, I saw a lot of people wearing like Michigan shirts or Michigan accessory, and then. I thought that was like just, you know, our, our school, like people are really love University of Michigan, mm-hmm. but apparently I think it's not um, the case. So Casey, I want to ask you, cause I know you didn't go to um, your plan when you were in the undergrad. So right. was this kind of same vibe in your undergrad as well? I definitely think there's a similar vibe. I, I'll start by saying that I think Michigan is just a very unique school in that there's such spirit with it being such a large school um, in the States, you know, like I think for undergrad, there's well over um, 30,000 students here, you know, which um, there's just such a large and green community in Ann Arbor. Um, and, And after, you know, for alumni, those who partake in the school spirit, it's just an unbelievable alumni network. Uh, and so with that being said, I think that there's a huge amount of, of school spirit in comparison to where I went for undergrad. I went to Northwestern, uh, which is in, um, just outside Chicago. It's about 8,000 undergrad students. Uh, and so a much smaller dynamic, but with that being said, I definitely saw the school spirit there. You know, we would show up to class wearing our Northwestern sweatshirts. We would, you know, go to the football games all decked out and our football jerseys and <laughs> and hats decking the Wildcat logo. Uh, so definitely there's a lot of, you know, equivalent, I'd say, nature to support the school across the board. Um, I think you just see it a lot more at Michigan because there's just so many more people here. Yeah, that makes sense. But one thing I can say for sure is this very different from where I come from, uh, Taiwan. So... We don't, I guess we don't have um, a lot of merchandise in, in terms of like um, the school you went. And we don't even have like the shop, just like the MDEM here. Um, so just give some context to our audience. So MDEM is like a retail, a retail shop that sell everything about Michigan, University of Michigan. So um, I'm not sure about in Korea, maybe Jay, you can, Tell, me, tell us more about what's the situation in Korea. 
I think in Korea, most of the university or a college have a kind of their retail shop, but not as big as MDN size. <laughs> but still, still, I think many students buy some merchandise from the shop. But the different thing is, like what I feel from American friends here is they really love their school and they really pr- be proud of their school. But in Korea, maybe... Like some school, like in terms of the ranking, like higher ranking schools, they are proud of their schools a lot. And sometimes they are wearing some shirts with their logo. But the other schools, they don't wear the shirt or some jacket that much because I think somehow people judge them by their T-shirts. Like if I have a really good school T-shirt, Maybe people think, oh, he's, he's going to like good school, which is really good. But if I'm wearing some t-shirts with like not famous university, like people just judge me like, ah, oh, he's just like, ah, he's just student, something like that. Mm-hmm. This is my personal opinion. It's not, I'm not representing all the opinions in Korea, but that's my first feeling when I entered my university in 2008. Mm-hmm. So, so. Uh, I would summarize, like, even though there are so many merchandises about the university in Korea, but I'm not sure people really love their schools or not. Yeah, I guess in terms of this um, topic, I guess every country has a very different kind of vibe. Um, but so Casey, why, why do you think that Americans have a very strong belongings to their own school? Yeah. I was thinking a little bit about this and actually asked my husband as well, who went to school at Illinois State University. Um, and, you know, we were talking and getting perspectives on why we loved our school so much, why we think that's prevalent, you know, across America here. And I think that there's a lot of feeling embedded in a community. Um, you know, you work tirelessly to get to college or to university level. Um, and so after years of putting in the effort, I think you feel, you know, very embedded in this community. You feel a lot of pride that you've worked hard to get there. Um, and so you feel like you really want to sport your university logo or you want to, you know, be involved in the community, whether it be through attending athletic events or, you know, obviously with classes or otherwise engaged in ex- extracurriculars across the university level. You just feel a lot of pride, I think, from working hard to get there. So I think that's one aspect of it. Um, second, I think, is definitely, uh, you know, the fact that in the States, I think there's some aspect of like a familial uh, culture where it's almost like a legacy where you might experience with your parents or your siblings have gone to the same university that you do. Um, so you feel like you want to continue that legacy and build on that pride. So for example, both my grandmother and my uncle went to Northwestern. So I was excited to follow in their footsteps um, and, you know, kind of like walk the same sidewalks that they walked and be in the sorority life because I know my grandma was in sorority life there. So I think that there was a lot of that as well, where you just you feel a lot of spirit for the university based off the fact that it's almost been passed down sometimes in families. Um, so people get really excited about that. I think athletics is huge in the States. So 
as you both know, having, you know, been at Michigan now for oh, yeah. a year, <laughs> you see that in full force. <laughs> we get really excited and tied to our university sports. Um, you know, the big house here at Michigan is like iconic, right? And right. just to be part of that and uh, it, it brings you together in this community. It's like a unifying force. And I think that that stays, you know, true past when you are actually at the school itself. Uh, and so I think that there's a lot of combining factors that make us really excited and thrilled to be part of our university and sport the merchandise and um, contribute. Uh, the last thing I'll add, apologies, because I know I've been rambling for a bit, but I think that... <laughs> no, the, no, this was great information. <laughs> amazing. The last thing I'd say is the alumni network. Um, so I think that you feel a genuine pull to give back after going through the university. So I know like for Northwestern, I, in my first job out of college, uh, you know, I served on the Northwestern recruiting team and I continued to source talent to the firm I was working at, um, from Northwestern. So I'd go back to campus, I would mm -hmm. go attend informational sessions or, um, you know, have coffee chats with the students and try to source, you know, the the brightest talent from Northwestern to come to our firm. So I think that we continue to give back and we feel excited to be part of the alumni network in doing so. so I'll stop I, there. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, you, yeah, that was a really great explanation on how you guys are making belongings to your undergrad college or university and i know because you're mentioned about community it's really easy you connect with the community when you are in the university but as you mentioned after graduation you also pursue the connection through like campus recruiting or like that then i have a one question like if you go to company after graduation and sometimes you go to the your northwestern campus and you do recruiting that means in the company like in company, do you guys have a kind of club or a meeting between North Carolina, Northwestern University people guys, or is there any activities? Yeah. So at the, um, at my firm, there was a Northwestern network for sure. Oh. Um, and we would all, you know, we'd have happy hours together for anyone that went to Northwestern. We would mm -hmm. go bowling. We would, um, you know, get together for lunches on Fridays when everyone was in the office. So there was definitely like a club of Northwestern people. And because I was in the Chicago office, it was very present oh. um, because people, you know, had perhaps stuck around and only um, ventured a little further south. And <laughs> here we are joining a Northwestern club at our firm. So there's definitely a lot of activities and ways to get involved, uh, I felt, in our community. So I think in Korea might be a different because I have this conversation with Jay and then something that I've learned is very interesting. So maybe Jay, you can tell us more about like the situation in Korea. So I think we also have kind of that meetings with my undergrad university guys, but it's not encouraged as a company because some people think if I have a meeting with my undergraduate the same university guys it could be a kind of discrimination for other people because you know i'm from 
uh, I don't know how to say this one is, I don't feel offended if um, a university whose ranking is higher than me, if they have a kind of meeting in the company, I don't feel offended, but someone may feel offended about that because his university in terms of ranking is a little bit lower than mine or the other university. So I think that's why people like the company discourage people to have a, those kind of private meeting. But I think this is my, my company's story and I'm not sure all the companies in Korea doing the same thing or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, at least from my company, we don't have such a meeting of clubs among the people from the same university. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, <laughs> that's a little back to different uh, situation. Sure. But, yeah, but one thing that I agree is that the sports definitely connect us um, a lot because people are going to the big house and share cheering for the team. And that's, I think that's the time when I feel like I'm really part of this big community. And then I wanted right. to be in and I wanted to cheer for the team and to see they win. Yeah, definitely. I'll add a story here um, mm-hmm. that before I came to Michigan officially for business school, um, I obviously had gotten a ton of gear <laughs> because I was really excited. Uh, <laughs> and so did my husband, even though he's not at the school, he's here with me in Ann Arbor and he's part of the community. So of course he got some stuff too. And we took some time off before school. We went to travel throughout Europe and um, we're standing in line at uh, customs in Dublin in Ireland and he's wearing his block M, you know, Michigan hat and this family turns around and says, go blue. And I think that that is just a testament to like the school spirit attitude where even when you're around the world, you know, far away from your home and you're wearing some sort of school spirit, um, you know, merchandise that people will recognize you if they're in the community. And it's great to like find that outlet abroad. Um, And really anywhere you go here, I feel like that's the case. So uh, that's always fun when we have that kind of joint experience together. So speaking of the gears, um, what is the most strange gear you ever seen or bought? Ooh. (laughs) 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 This is a good question. Um, So you mentioned the M-Den. Yeah. The M-Den to me is like someone vomited maize and blue everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good expression. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's just you walk in and you're like overstimulated by the amount of maize and blue that you're seeing. I think there's been some interesting stuff I've noticed in M-Den when I've gone to get gear there. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have, for instance, you know, these overalls that are, or I don't even know, I think that's what they're called, overalls, where it's like striped maize and blue denim overalls. Um, I almost got a pair last year because I thought, why not? <laughs> <laughs> but those those are unique. Uh, love mm. seeing that. Uh, I feel like, you know, when it has the mascot foam head, that's a really cool thing. So like, for instance, at Northwestern, our our uh, logo was a wildcat, mm-hmm. um, the mascot, I should say. And people would have like foam wildcat hats 
that they'd wear to games. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so obviously very intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd, I'd say that, like the, the overalls and the foam mascot hats are probably the two weirdest things I've seen. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like schools are really good at marketing. <laughs> so they have yes. so many merchandise. So much. <laughs> yeah. And then they're good at not just marketing you as a student, but they also market marketing to your family. So yes. the thing I saw is really interesting. That they have t-shirt for everybody. Like have t-shirt for your parents, have t-shirt for your right. the child, your sibling, and even for your dog. Yeah. So, 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 so that's true. really funny. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I, I think friends like they bought like every T-shirt for their family, and then they took a photo and share on the uh, social yes. media. That was amazing. <laughs> I got a T-shirt that said Michigan Grandma. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm not even a grandma. You got but... a T-shirt. Oh. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. <laughs> last last summer when I went back to Korea, I thought of buying. Like my father, my mother, my brother T-shirts, but I know they will not wear yes. <laughs> T-shirts. <laughs> so I just bought us uh, some like golf gears in Amden, not those things. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we're business school students. We can't be wasting all this money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's why I always bought it when when there's a discount. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I think that was really great conversation and we learned so much about how Americans think about their school and thank you so much Kelsey for joining us today of course thank you for having me and go blue obviously yeah go blue <laughs> <laughs> alright let's stay tuned and take a quick break and we'll be back with our interview taking on MBA program in the US is a big huge decision and if you already have a family, it becomes 100 times more difficult. Today, we will talk about MBA and family. Many international students had to decide whether they came to U.S. with family or not. It's a really tough decision. Some partners may give up their career. Some couples ended up living separately. If they have a baby, how would they handle all difficulties in the country where they've never been? What a crazy situation. Let's welcome Kazrin Cairo Anwar, a second-year MBA student from MIT Sloan, and listen to how he dealt with these issues. Hey, Kazrin, how are you doing? Hi, Jacob. I'm, I'm doing well. Thank, thanks for the both of you for having me here. Yeah, thank you for joining us this morning. So um, let's start with uh, getting to know you a little more. So could you kind of tell us your background, where you're from, and what did you do before MBA? Sure. Um, so uh, I, I'm I'm a husband and a father of, of a of a two year old kid, soon to be two year old kid. Uh, I'm originally from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Uh, previously, before doing my MBA, I was primarily working. I was working in um, Malaysia Sovereign Wealth Fund, Kazana National. I I worked over there for about close to, to seven years. Uh, so primarily, my background has been in sort of equity investments, doing both a bit of private equity and so public market investments. Um, that's, that's what I've been doing ever since I, I graduated. And then I decided to come to do my MBA over here at MIT Sloan. So why, why do you want to come to MBA? As, as like previously mentioned, 
having a family and it's a, it's and coming to the NBA, it's a huge decision. And it's gonna, I think it's gonna be really tough for compared with people who doesn't have family. So why why do you want to do MBA and why MIT specifically? So, well, MBA more for my my own sort of career path. So it's something that I really felt that would be helpful for me to go into the next stage of my career. Um, so as I mentioned, I was primarily doing investments, and during my time over there, I felt that I wanted to branch out a bit more, for lack of a better word, maybe potentially pivot a bit more towards something within a corporate strategy sort of role within the long term, not necessarily within the short or medium term, but in, in the long term. So I felt that doing an MBA would provide me with the right exposure, not just in class, but also just learning from classmates, getting to know different companies, not just in the US, but working with companies within, I guess, the wider world, and also learning from, from, from faculty experience as well in their past lives. And when, when, yeah, in their past lives. So... Um, why MIT Sloan specifically? Um, I felt that because Sloan being part of the wider, larger MIT community, getting to know people who are not necessarily from the business background, but also learning to do things from just understanding their experiences from the engineer's perspective, or at least the, for lack of a better word, tech development perspective as well. So it was a good place I felt that could actually merge both the technical side and the business side. And also from, from um, what I've understood from the MIT Stone experience, they also have a lot of what they call action learning labs. So it allows me to be able to work with like host companies solving their problems that are not just specifically from just the US perspective, but also working on problems that are being dealt with in other parts of the world. So that really appealed to me. Um, so I just wanted to be able to understand a bit more from a global perspective, perspective and figure out how I can implement that towards, I guess, uh, going back to Malaysia and understanding how to apply that within not just Malaysia but Southeast Asia in general as well. Um, I just want to follow up with you one question. So you're talking about why MIT. So I'm just wondering, like, as as you you having the family, is there any factors when you decided which MBA program you're considering? So yeah, that that was a big deal and. Uh, when I wanted to think about whether or not I wanted to do an MBA, having that conversation with my wife was quite a big decision to make. Uh, at the time when I was thinking about um, applying for the MBA, my wife was already pregnant. So we were thinking about um, whether or not it would be, oh, the time when the timing would be right, how old should the kid be for us to be able to make the decision to go. Uh, we felt that at, because um, I'm, I'm, I'm in my early 30s now. So the idea is that, um, well, at least the idea that we had was that if we had gone a bit later, then probably the, and this is quite a, a, a personal subjective sort of, of perspective, the um, being able to actually connect with people who, within the MBA program, which were typically the age is about late 20s, very early 30s. So if we had gone a bit later, it would have been one, maybe not, not as, for lack of a better word, valuable, for, for me to do it if I do it went later. And secondly, um, if the kids were a lot older, it would be quite difficult to displace them away from their school, their friends, um, in, in like when I come from Malaysia, to come here and then to go back there. It would be quite disruptive for them. So we felt that it would have been better to do it when they were at a young age. So it wouldn't be as disruptive. Um, so we were thinking about which, which schools to go to. Generally, from, 
from at least just doing research online felt that there wasn't that much in terms of differentiation between which schools that um, in terms of what um, family support that they would give at least from that perspective from, from all the way from Malaysia it felt that they all, all of them sort of felt the same so what the deciding factor was was more apparently from like the whole MBA experience so I felt that MIT would have been a good um, fit for me based on what I mentioned earlier Okay, so we are getting to know about you pretty much. And then this topic is about family and MBA. Mm -hmm. So I have some curiosity about your family. So could you briefly introduce your wife and your baby? Yeah, sure. So I know my wife for quite a long time. We've been married for about five years. Uh, knew her before that as well. So she used to be a consultant in PricewaterhouseCoopers. Uh, but then after we uh, after we had the baby, she decided to to take a break, and then uh, that sort of coincided with when when we felt that it would be a good time for for me to do my MBA. So so right now when when she's here, um, she she's not working, so she's she's full time as a mother. Um, when when we're based here, so she she what she primarily does is that right now, so um, she also helps in volunteering. MIT has like a spouses and partners club, so she helps a lot in that perspective. Um, my kid, my son, is going to be two years old in two days' time. So it's a big uh, landmark. So actually, when we came here to the US, he was about nine months old. So as of this point, he's actually spent more time in the US than in Malaysia. So it's quite an interesting experience. So, we've, so he's learned how to, to, to walk, learn how, how to start, uh, not, not necessarily me saying full words, but has a lot of milestones here in the US. So it's actually been quite an interesting experience over here. So your wife, currently your wife quit her job and acting as a full-time mother. Like, did, does she have some career plan after the MBA, two years MBA program? Yeah, the idea is that going back to Malaysia, we'll figure out what exactly she wants, she wants to do. Um, we still have a bit of time to figure that one out, but, but the idea is that um, she does want to do something that will keep herself busy um, moving forward after the MBA. But right now, the idea, especially in being in Malaysia here, does not, uh, sorry, being, being away from Malaysia and being here in the US, you're very far away from like a family support system. So right now, the idea is that even though they have, we have a lot of facilities available um, for daycare and all that, there's there's a bit of a stronger comfort to have um her spend most of the time with with my kid because my kid is a, is a type that because of what's happened with covid and all that it's been there was a huge gap period of time may, may not may just be like three or four months from our perspective but three or four months is actually quite a big chunk of a two-year-old's life so um because of that the event that happened um he's still trying to um, and not not just him, like other kids in general throughout throughout that point in time is just slowly trying to get them to be a bit more familiarized with strangers, and being taking into account the health considerations as well. Just making sure that we're slowly just getting to meet uh, other kids and and even not necessarily just new people but friends as well in the past so to ensure that there's minimized um, contact so that there's no sort of health effects that not just impact our family but other families as well. So that's why, um, just going back to your point, right now, the idea is that she will be full-time as a mother so that at least she can help take care. But in the future, there's also, um, 
back back in Malaysia, there will potentially be something that she would like to do. And I think personally, bring your kids to the US, like when when he was young, or not just young, like when he was little, it's really great on um, the way to kind of immerse him um, in, in this kind of English um, environment. And it's really good to practice like the second language. So I think that's that's a, a, one of the benefits, um, you know, bring your kids to the US with you. But I think that could be one of the decision when you are, when you were discussing um, this kind of topic with your wife, for example, like whether you should come to the US by yourself or you should bring your family with you. I think that's a big discussion among among you and your wife before you came into MBA. So I'm wondering, like, when you, how do you make this decision? Why do you think, um, in the end, like you decided your family decided to come to US together? So uh, on the point that you mentioned about, uh, I guess the language immersion, Malaysia is quite interesting. In like, if you go to the we call it the Klang Valley area. So that's where, where the, the capital city is and where Slango, most of Slango, which is like the, the most, for lack of a better word, developed state in the country is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the use of English is actually quite high. Mm. And then we also, and then also a sort of related but separate matter also is that um, we learn English in primary school and middle school. So the whole language immersion point that you mentioned wasn't necessarily a factor that we took mm-hmm. into account when we wanted to come over here because we speak both um, Malay and also English mm-hmm. uh, in at home as well. So that that wouldn't have changed regardless of us moving to the US or going or staying in Malaysia. Quick yes, question. Think, so yes. so in Malaysia, English and Malaysia kind of two languages are common. What yes. I mean is many people can speak both uh, language well? It depends on the state, but, but usually um, in schools, they, mm-hmm. you, you learn English as a subject that um, both in primary school and in, in middle Got school. It. So yeah. um, theoretically, there would be at least some basic level of, of English throughout the country. But mm-hmm. of course, that the level, level of proficiency um, is different depending on where you go. But usually sure. in the cities, in the main cities in Malaysia, the language proficiency for English is actually very high. Oh, got it. Yeah, so so that's quite good. Um, but but to to one of the points that that Jacob mentioned was that what were the factors that we considered? Um, we I mean it was a very it was a very short discussion, but we just laid out like what would ha- whether or not we wanted to uh have it for for me to come here by myself the options sorry just backing up a bit like the options were either i don't do the mba i do the Mm. mba bringing my family or i do uh my mba without them having them at home so the third option the last option was ruled out very fast so like (laughs) so it's either like um because it would from 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 me from a personal standpoint my first my first kid uh, and and from my wife's perspective is her first kid also so having both parents together with the kid um, at a very early stage is very important. So we didn't want to separate ourselves. Mm. So the decision then boiled down to like, um, this is very early on before I actually, when my wife was still, still pregnant and when I was still doing the MBA sort of application. So deciding on whether or not we want to do it now or do it later on. So this 
um, tied on to the point that I mentioned earlier in the, in the discussion where we felt that, okay, we should do it uh, sooner rather than later because of um, less disruption to the whole family. So uh, let me summarize. So separate living separately is not your option. So your option was only two things, like because you guys are always being together. So the option is going MBA right now or later. That's the only things you guys are talking each other, right? Yeah. So that was my personal perspective. But oh, then, got it. Talk, um, each each family, I would say, has their own sort of consideration. So I I wouldn't necessarily impose my what I would what I'm the thought process that I have to to other people. I know quite a few people who internationals who decided to come here without their families, and that's totally fine based on their own uh, circumstances. But I'm just sharing, like, from my own perspective. For me, it was definite. It was a, a clear definite from from both my wife and from my perspective to have the family together. So to your point, yes, for, for my own perspective, the decision was to either do it now with, with a young kid or just decide not to do it altogether. So obviously we decided to do it now. Yeah. Let me go back to one more question about your wife. So I think for your wife, uh, coming to the U.S. with you and having a new experience with you here, and when your wife go back to the Malaysia, isn't it difficult to get a new job, or it's not a big it's not a big issue? Like what I mean is, is it so easy to get a new job in Malaysia? For I think really, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think that's a that's a valid question. I think, um, I would say probably in the, and, and I'm not saying this with complete certainty. Uh, this is just mm -hmm. my own perspective of it. So, sure. Uh, I would say probably in the past, maybe you look at maybe 10 years or so, the, that would have been quite valid. But I think what's happening now is that a lot more firms are a lot more understanding about why mm. people take certain, take like leaves of absence from work. So in, in, in this case, it's quite, quite valid. Like she, she's, she's coming together with me because I'm, I'm right. filling my studies. And then it's also overlapping at the same time she's having her first kid so i'm just taking an example of uh another friend that i had let well, sorry another friend that i knew uh, I, i'm still friends with the person sorry uh, just, mm -hmm. just language thing so um she she also went to the u.s um taking taking a leave of absence because her husband was working in in the u.s so now she's already gone back and she managed to find a good job so it's oh. still possible for someone who, and, and she also had a kid, so it's quite possible for someone who has had a kid, left the country, coming back, to be able to find a good job as well. Um, it's just, uh, and I think that's primarily because there's been a shift in understanding that, okay, people have gaps for reasons. And especially um, someone who has a background like my wife, who, who came from like a, like, like a consulting mm -hmm. firm, that is something that she and she's had like seven years worth of experience before taking this gap so it's i think from from our perspective it's quite possible for for that for her to be able to find a, a good job after going back to malaysia but i guess it really depends on like when we get to that point in time when we come back when before we come back to malaysia there probably be, will be some um adjustment period so during that time probably that's when she will start looking for a job we haven't really decided what job exactly but it's 
I mean, it, it, it's up to her in terms of what, what she wants to do. So it, it, we'll, we'll get to that point when we get to that point. Okay, so now I got your point. So your family came to the U.S. together. And I know like as an MBA student, we got a lot of things. Like we have to do academics. We have to social. We also think about the recruiting. I think we, as a second, as all of us, as a second year student right now, we got a lot of difficulties when we were living here. And because you are coming here with your family, is there any difficulties that handling some family issues or is there any challenges because you are here with your family during the MBA life? Yeah, I'd say that coming here with, so if you're coming here by yourself, yeah. coming here with a spouse, coming here with a spouse and kids or a family, all those three experiences will be very different. Right. And I wouldn't say that one is better than the other the other two. So um each will come with their own challenges. So I'm just speaking mm. from someone with a perspective of having a family. Uh time management, I mean, not not just from, from person with family perspective. I mean, even single people will have their own issues with time management. And that's completely separate. But from I'm speaking from my perspective, time from a time management perspective, understanding how to be able to get assignments done, being able to, to, to meet with companies or meet with other people also versus um, doing whatever you need to do with respect to your family. That's actually, um, I guess, probably the key challenge that I have. And the best way to be able to get through that is really communicating with, in this case, my, my spouse. Being able to understand, okay, today I need to do this, 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 this. Uh, and then I'll say that okay, um, how can I how can I help you in terms of like sorting out like family and uh, house house related things that need need to be done given given all of this. So it's it's being able to know how how to make sure that time is managed well and the best way is to do through communication and making sure there's no like overlapping things. So because that that's very important because uh, from a personal perspective for me, the time with family, regardless of whether I'm doing an MBA or working working mm -hmm. in, in general. Uh, to me, that's very important, and I would say that would, that takes precedence over other things. But given the responsibilities that that I have, I mean, not not just specifically for MBA, but just working in general, um, those also need to be considered as well. So it's that for me is a key challenge, um, and I would really say that communication is the most important part. Of that to be able to get over it uh yeah i agree with you like always communication is most important thing because and you know the the environment in the united states compared with you your family in malaysia like the total environment has been changed the language maybe it's a little bit changed and the culture is different so i think there might be some obstacles that your family faced. So is there any case that you got us, you had some fight with your um, wife because of some difficulties during the MBA period? 
I mean, every uh, I I'm not gonna get into any any sort of of, of details for this, but sure, uh, sure, yeah. So, I mean, that there are times where, of course, people will get stressed out. I mean, not not just myself, but like for uh for other families as well, will get stressed because they have to deal with lots of different different things. Right. Um, so I I I go back to the point of having communication, and I guess building onto that is managing expectations on both sides, so people so they really understand um what. Like for example, if if I say okay, I need to do like like teamwork or project work for a certain period of time, for example, mm-hmm. uh, that helps to manage expectations. That okay, um, within this amount of time, I'll be tied up. But after that amount of time, I'll be able to help doing certain things. Or or uh, uh, during the time I've done with that project work, then she'll have enough time to be able to do, like for example, her volunteering work with the, the spouses and partners community. So. That managing expectations helps to ensure that that there's that alleviates a lot of stress, and I I, I just cannot stress enough in terms of the importance of communication because I know like even for myself I I I don't necessarily um, communicate as as much as I would like or as good as I would like to 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 my spouse. So I think that's mm-hmm. something that I guess everyone can can work on a lot more. Yeah, so you mentioned earlier, like when you decided the MBA program, you looked up, um, search online, search online, and then to see like what's the different school provide difference difference of the different school to provide like better environment for families, which you say is like similar. Uh, but now, like you have been studying in MIT for a year, I'm wondering like what do you think of the program? Uh, in Slug is is sort of like a family friendly program, or um, what kind of like activities they they provide to support uh, the students with family like you? Yeah, so I feel that um, MIT itself is is quite family friendly. So um, I I'm, I'm actually staying in like um, student accommodation that is specific to family housing. So actually, I feel that's quite good. They provide uh, daycare facilities as well. Um, I guess that I mean that that that's pretty good in in that sense. And as I mentioned earlier, my wife is part of the spouses and partners club, so that's quite good in terms of providing like some uh, some sort of social support. Um, and and even beyond that as well, like um, my friends and classmates who are part who who have families also provide really strong uh support as well. They're always very eager to help in terms of making sure that um. I guess we feel wel- welcome. So I feel that um, um, the social aspect from classmates and MIT itself in terms of the, the, the structure and facilities is, is quite good. The daycare part, the, because it's such, such in high demand, there's a long wait list, but I think that's really something that you, you can't can really be helped. Um, I feel that for, the, for M- MIT Sloan, and this is just my, my perspective, just Sloan specifically, because of the demographics that um, are a bit more skewed towards more of, um, I guess, singles or people without having kids. Um, A lot of the activities that they do isn't necessarily skewed towards um, being very family-oriented. So that resulted, I guess, for for myself being able to maybe, um, I guess, hang out or meet with people who have families more. And for me, that's okay. I mean, that's just the way it is in that point. Um, 
what could be improved on a bit more, I guess, would be. I mean, this is in an ideal situation, and I think it's going to be very hard for mm-hmm. for for MIT to be able to MIT or Sloan to be able to sort this out. Ideally, at least from my perspective, being have uh, being able to help provide more facilities to have, I guess, daycare or maybe for like a, not necessarily for myself, but like nanny services, so at least people will have more time to be able to to do other things, uh, whilst ensuring that they have a peace of mind to ensure that. The kid is okay, but I mean, uh, all things considered, they've done quite a good job in that perspective. Yeah, uh, I I know some of my friends here who also has a family and babies, and I know like I'm a single, and I get along with many of singles, not family guys, because they have their own duty, and I also know they have to care their family, they have to care their baby, so. There is a tendency that family guys get along with another family guys. So as you mentioned, the singers more get along with other singers. I think that's a really natural thing, like thinking of um, their status, their family status. So you mentioned that there is always pros and cons about coming here as a single or as a family. If you didn't have a family, do you think... Um, your choice of MBA or your MBA life would be totally different from current situation, or what do you think about that? So, uh, just to clarify on that question, so you meant that um, choice of school meaning would I have still gone to MIT Sloan, or would or is your question more like whether or not I still would have gone to do my MBA? Oh, that's a good question. I think um, it's more about. Uh, MIT side, like which uh, MBA, which MBA program you wanna go? If you don't have a family, like would you, would you expand your choice, or you still have the same standard when you choose MBA program? Okay, thanks. So, on that question, there wouldn't have been a change because, mm-hmm. um, as I, as I just as I mentioned earlier as well, like because from at least from the Malaysia perspective, it looked like it was the the sort of support system for families is going to be the same regardless of which school. So I just went with what I felt would be the best sort of fit for my experience. So I would have still chosen for MIT Sloan. In terms of the life that yes. I would have, the MBA life, I would say, yes, definitely is going to be very different. Um, but I wouldn't say, I, I'll reiterate this point again, like, um, I wouldn't say it would be better. It would be very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would definitely not trade having a family later just to go for an MBA. I think from from my own personal perspective, having having a kid has been very uh, your 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 life and priorities really change when you have when you have a kid. And I feel felt that it's been very fulfilling to have to have a kid and to have have uh, my wife with me, with me over here. Uh, it just really adds so much more meaning to to life in general when you have mm. uh, people to care about. So I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't have treated this experience for for anything else. So, um, it really it just trying to to have it from your listeners' perspective. You really just need to think about it from your own individual perspective to understand. Okay, what what do I really want to get out of? Not just the MBA experience, but like just your life in general, right? So for me, it's always been like having having to have like a good family to raise and be be together with. So. Um, the MBA life, like other things, like for example, like hanging out with friends and all that, it, it, it it's still a part of the life that I have now. But it's just that 
I've always put the family priorities first, and I will still continue to do that. Yeah, I think that's so true. Um, I mean, people in different stage have different priorities, and I guess it's really hard to like every time if you can start over. I think there's be some other consideration you have to think about. So it's really hard to like make that um, uh, make that decision based on um, whatever like in the past. But um, throughout throughout the conversation, you have mentioned a lot of. Um, your experience, and then there's some really great tips. For example, like communication is a great key um, to communicate with your wife about everything in regard of, you know, your MBA journey. Um, but other than that, I'm wondering: is there any other tips that you could give people who um, are planning to come into the MBA, especially people who with a family? I think, um, if possible. Well, at least I'm speaking from the MIT Sloan experience. Uh, when we got the offer from being to be accepted into the MBA, you, at least for us, we got into like sort of like a Slack group together just to un understand who's 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 joining for this particular year. Um, one good advice would be to figure out how who among them have kids, and maybe just <laughs> talk to them to understand like mm -hmm. how they are preparing for um, the experience uh, and even going before that, before applying, always good to try to reach out to alumni who um, who are from maybe potentially from, from the country that you're in or some within the same region uh, internationally from our, from our perspective, just to see that, just to reach out, hey, um, I understand that you, you, you were an MBA in so-and-so school. Um, try and figure out whether or not um, they they knew anyone who had a family uh, during that time in, in MBA or if, even better if they themselves had a family when they did the MBA just to understand their experience and ask them for for tips because every school will be be different even though from, from the perspective that I mentioned earlier that if you just search online it looks like the support system is the same but going beyond just uh, looking at what the school can offer but also understanding like for that particular region like for example for us like the Cambridge Boston area, what, what, um, what is, what would be good in terms of family activities that can be done over there? How easy it is to get around from one point to another, bring having a stroller or having a kid around. So, understanding those perspectives is quite key, and just it's essentially just trying to reach out to different people. Uh, I know like for certain schools as well, they usually have like an unofficial handbook that they that they share with people. I know that uh, MIT Sloan has that also. So they had a session with on on family on families, and it was it was they had um, contact details of people. So we did reach out to them to ask them certain questions. So um, I guess the in in short, it's really just getting to really know uh, what you're getting your what you and your family are getting yourselves into. I think that's a great idea that having some connection with admitted family before you come here so that you can share some information together. Maybe we would we think about new MB Asian concept as a how families like we can make a, some community about family like gathering, it. something like this. So it's it's, it's going to be really fun. So now because of COVID-19, Every everything has been changed, and you may take all of many of your classes at home virtually. 
And that means you may have some distractions, like maybe your soon-to-be two-years-old baby come to you when you have a class, or maybe your wife's doing some your her job at home that may distract you. How do you how have you been handling these issues at home recently? So for me, I'm quite lucky for two things. One is that this the place I have here is is a two two bedroom, so oh. I can actually close my my door so that <laughs> they, my my kid doesn't come over and and, and disturb me. Uh, and then the second part was like I mentioned, uh, my wife is not working, so she mm-hmm. can help to take care of it. But I understand that not everyone is in the same situation. I know right. a lot of people who are in one bedroom apartments. The wife is working as well. So it's, it's not been easy for a lot of people. And I've actually seen people who would just like let their kids come in and just listen on to the lectures as well. Right. Which, is quite, which is quite fun to see. Uh, there's, no real, there's no real one way to be able to, to solve this. Because mm-hmm. even with having nannies as well right now, it's going to be very difficult because of, there's, there's that risk of, of COVID there as well. So people have just unfortunately been needing to be able to, to deal with it in their own way. Uh, the, and it's not hard. It, it, sorry, it's quite hard on, on not just the, the student, but also on the spouse as well to be able to handle the, the kid quite a lot. So I, I don't really have a solution for this, uh, one, one, one shoe that fits all solutions for this. The only probable way of doing it is that um, uh, one one way that I could offer is that you have a schedule of um, when your classes are, for example. Uh, if you know that you have certain gaps in, in terms of the schedule or when your schedule ends for the day, for me at least, I've always prioritized taking care of, of the kid rather than doing other activities. And that's something that you just mm-hmm. need to do so that you alleviate whatever stress that your spouse has in doing that. So at least your spouse can do something else, like volunteer or do work, for example. Uh, so at least then you share the load. Then probably only later at night, then once the kid is asleep, then you can do sort of other activities, like do, do your assignments or try and, and get networking or connect with other people. That, that's sort of, I guess, the, the rough way of how I've sort of been doing it. It might not necessarily work for other people. It really depends on the context that someone has. So I guess in short, it's really getting to know what um, your spouses and your own uh, schedules are. And I always come back to the point on communication. Sorry for belaboring this point, but that, that, that is really important to be able to understand how to deal with this, this situation. Yeah, great advice. And then I think it goes back to what you mentioned earlier. It's all about time management, especially for people who have family, that is even important because um, you just have to prioritize everything based on the schedule so that you can, you can like, go through one by one. Um, so let's go to our last question, which we ask to our all, all our audience, um, sorry, all our guests. So what is the one thing that you wish you had known before starting your MBA? And then this can be anything. I would have liked to know that COVID was going to happen. <laughs> that would be an ideal situation. <laughs> we, yeah, we all um, are. We always yeah, that. <laughs> so that one just can't be helped about it. Uh, but another way that I wanted to uh, approach that question is, is it is a very valid question. Is sort of not really asking me, but like asking my spouse, what would uh, she would have liked to know before doing the MBA? Mm. And I sort of actually asked this question to her the other day as well. So she said that. 
he didn't expect there to be uh for for me to be as busy as i am and even th- even though i mean what is one thing for me like sort of preempting her that i'll be i'll be busy but it's another thing to actually experience it entirely so that's probably something that she she wanted to have known um or at least really understood before doing the mba so at least she could actually understand how to what what to expect uh and i guess that's that's sort of like the overarching theme that i've mentioned during this podcast is communication and and managing expectations right and uh i guess for anyone who is actually um listening to this before deciding to apply for an mba and having uh, have a family that you're thinking of bringing to the us or anywhere around the world to do an mba um is just really understanding that it is quite a lot to do and um you should factor that into your consideration in whether you want to join um your your spouse to to do an mba or to just stay on in your home country and and just do long distance because i just just speaking to people that i know who are in the latter sort of relationship where they don't bring their family over to in this case the us um they have more time to do other things and then even it is also helped in a sense for the spouse as well to be able to to work because they have their family support system there to be able to take care of of the kid but the flip side to that is that you you really don't have that interaction you, because long distance is such a big difference compared to being there in person with with the kid so you if when you want to make that um decision you just need to factor that into account about whether or not you would be okay with having either a long distance sort of relationship or having uh your family together in the US but understanding that you will have to split your time um fairly for like a better word with respect to uh doing the MBA stuff and whatever that comes together with it and also spending your time with family All right it was really great to hear your experience and really great to hear your tips and recommendations to incoming students Thank you for being on guest on MBA Jan Kazarin. Thank you. Hopefully I know the tips were not very specific but hopefully that helps people just to get a bit of understanding of what to expect having a family and doing an MBA. Today's show was with Kazarin Carol Anwar from MIT Sloan in Malaysia. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. You can find us through all major podcast platforms. including Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. New episode comes out every Tuesday US time. Subscribe to our podcast, follow us on MB Agents on Instagram and Facebook. And please share it with your friends. Stay tuned and see you next week.